It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. My guest today is critically acclaimed singer-songwriter Lauren Henderson, who has been a key part of the New York scene for the past decade. She's a vocal storyteller who delivers her lyrics with a sultry sophistication. Her latest recording, and 10th as a leader, is called Conjuring. And as the name implies, the music has elements of mystery, intrigue, and romance. In fact, it even has a touch of that old black magic. Black magic has me in its spell. That old black magic that you weave so well. Those icy fingers up and down my spine. The same old witchcraft when your eyes meet mine. Lauren Henderson describes herself as someone who continues to explore her cultural influences by embracing diversity in languages, including Spanish. She is an interesting and complex individual who identifies as a black American with vast Caribbean and Afro-Latin roots. Lauren is not only a talented artist, but is also a savvy businesswoman who has launched her own music label, Brontosaurus Records. Henderson's enchanting 10-track collection on Conjuring is supported by Joel Ross on vibes, Eric Wheeler on bass, and Joe Dyson on drums. Gabe Schneider and Nick Tenura divide guitar duties, while there is continued support on the album by two pianists, Sean Mason and John Chin. Join me now in my conversation with this prodigious artist, Lauren Henderson. I guess to begin with, your background is very interesting, and obviously it's influenced to where you've produced music with a fairly heavy commitment to the Latin side of, uh, of the genre. And your parents are... Uh, from New England, as you had pointed out, I believe you were born in Marblehead, Massachusetts. That's correct, yes. In growing up there, uh, what were your influences or what got you started in music? Because I know your parents are not musicians. I believe uh, your father was an educator. I'm not quite certain of uh, the path that your mother uh, followed, but I, I think she may have been in the financial world, if I'm correct. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. My mother uh, was in business and finance. She worked for Fidelity Investments and United Way for many years and was a senior vice president. And my dad was the dean of counseling and support services at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology for many years. And I joke in some ways that was my home away from home, especially when I was in high school going to study in the city and going to school in the city. But yes, growing up in Marblehead, 
even though my parents are not professional musicians, they are big music aficionados. And my dad uh, taught history and English for many years before uh, working at MIT. So he was always a big source of my music education and music history. And I definitely take the liberty of calling him a bit of a jazz historian. I basically devote at least 80% of my education about music uh, to my parents and all that they exposed me to just at home listening. Is that it? it? It's mainly the listening? Where is it that at one point there was a seminal moment in your life to where all of a sudden somebody said to you or about you, or you said it to yourself, I'm going to be a jazz singer? <laughs> it's so interesting. And when I think back about different moments in time, they all informed uh, this decision to pursue a life of uh, music and art. But I will say that, yes, the root of my education in music, especially since I have a liberal arts education and an MBA myself, I didn't go to conservatory. And I certainly studied music in school, but not to the level as many of my peers would at Juilliard or the New School or the Frost School of Music and so on, Berkeley. And uh, I would say I had a big interest in ethnomusicology as well and world music, but I definitely grew up listening to a lot of Frank Sinatra, Billie Holiday, Carmen McRae, tons of Sarah Vaughan, uh, Julie London, you name it. And my parents have a, a large record collection. So we would listen all the time, anytime we were in the car, my parents both are playing music and a lot of the Latin music I got from my mother who loves dancing as well as I do and is also an avid golfer, but loves Latin music and, and loves to explore her culture and her Afro-Latin culture from Panama through music. And then my father, who's my grandparents were jazz fans and basically everyone in the Henderson family. So we inherited a lot of records from my grandfather as well, who played drums in a band briefly, but was told by my great grandmother that that would not be a suitable profession. So I got a lot of love and support from uh, the elder members of my family to pursue what I wanted to. Did your parents, be it your father or your mother, at ever one point say to you, geez, you know what, Lauren, do you really want to go into the music business? Why don't you pursue some of those channels that we've put ourselves through? It's so funny. They, they both wanted to pursue, my father wanted to be a writer, and my mother wanted to be a visual artist, a painter, drawer, and uh, they were just very supportive of me exploring whatever made me happy. I think it was a bit of a surprise to all of us because I grew up studying piano and I think I started lessons around the age of maybe seven or eight. And I was interested, but I had a lot of extracurricular activities. I was a student athlete as well. And so I would divide my time. And 
after a while when I would not be prepared with my lesson for that week, my teacher suggested that we do a bit of singing. And I was shy, but I felt comfortable with her. And I was singing in choirs at school and church and other places, but I'd never sing a solo. So fast forward to my senior year of high school, I was singing in the alto section and the choir director identified a problem in the alto section and made each of us go down the line and sing the part. And mm. after I sang, uh, he asked me why I had never gone for a solo and insisted that I do the next one. And I, I basically begged not to do it because I was so shy and I didn't mind singing with the group of people, but I never wanted to be a soloist at that point. And a woman who was in the choir at church spoke to me and she said, sometimes when you're given a gift, it's not about you. Maybe you can reach someone with your message or help them with whatever you're going through. And it's something that you can share. And then about a month later, she passed away of mm. breast cancer and so it's that stayed with me and that was my senior year of high school and so i soloed and it went well and people were receptive so i did like that getting positive feedback if i'm honest and then i went to college and i auditioned for one of the singing groups on a whim uh, and this was in between preseason for field hockey, which is extremely demanding at the collegiate level. But I really wanted that to still be a part of my life. And I made it into the singing group. And then by my sophomore year, I was the pitch pipe of the singing group. So mm. I got a taste of that and I loved it and built my love of music and double majored in music and Hispanic studies. But when I went to New York City, I got a job at MTV Tres. So I worked in television and production for the first uh, at least seven years that I was in New York City. And I met Sullivan. And I think we should right. let our listeners know it's Sullivan Fortner that we're talking about, the pianist, who is amazing. Right. He's amazing. And he was and is my first friend who I really got an inside look at what that lifestyle is like when you're on the road or he'd be touring with Roy Hargrove all around the world and the demands and the pay patterns and just, I mean, we're speaking of someone at the highest level, but it's also, it's also a privilege because it gives you, I'm very goal oriented and I set goals for myself, whether I, voice them or not and so it's very it's inspiring to see someone living that life and uh, someone who has such a deep understanding of the music as well i learned a lot just from observing him and collaborating with him and and that is a sense of uh, a mentorship and our relationship because Traditionally, I've always shown him my original music first. And that's also because I know he'll be honest with me about the music. And we have fostered a relationship where we can be sincere and honest and kind, but direct. So I had a friend and I started meeting all of these other musicians through the scene and made connections. And 
after I'd get out of long work days and be filming for the MTV VMAs or the Jersey Shore or whatever I was working on at that time in television, then I would rush to a jam session just to support my friends. And as they got to know me, they knew that I sang in college. So when there would be a lull at a session, I'd go up and sing and uh, I started getting calls for gigs and then my career as a singer picked up and I had to really make a decision if I wanted to leave a job with a 401k and benefits and mm -hmm. a stable paycheck and pursue music full time. And that was really when my parents probably could have said something, but they just supported me and they wanted me to be happy and they encouraged me to be smart and diligent and tactical about how I approach it. And of course, reminded me that, you know, my budget would change drastically <laughs> and it did, but we all never look back. And I, I feel so fortunate that my parents really just nurtured me and showered me with support. So how much of Lauren Henderson is the businesswoman? versus Lauren Henderson, the vocalist and singer. I ask you that because one of the sides of you is the fact that uh, you pursued your educational uh, work not in the traditional music schools, if you will, as you mentioned earlier, but you, you went to Wheaton College, got your uh, Bachelor of Arts there, but then you went to uh, Brown University and got a master's degree in business. I did. I did. I'm so happy I did because this is exactly where I really leaned into finding ways to connect with peers. And this is, this is networking, I guess. But beyond networking, really learning from the other members and colleagues I had in my cohort at Brown. And I have to say that all of them have been to this day incredibly supportive of my music and really eager to learn more about what we in the arts are experiencing. They have different methods that we can think about or apply in, in different situations in the music industry. And that's wonderful. And it also kind of takes that scary mask off of business that I think some artists uh, are intimidated by and that's sort of why I started Brontosaurus to begin with just really to support other artists and encourage them to do whatever they can to protect themselves long term because we don't have 401ks or a place where we can go if we're having an issue with a co-worker mm -hmm. <laughs> human resources and uh it's really nice if we can support each other in, in all of the ways that we can. And uh, I tried to do that in my way with Brontosaurus. And Brontosaurus Records is your own record label. That's right. I created Brontosaurus Records in probably 2018. I started talking about it. I've always released my music as an independent artist. And so it's always been under my own label, but the label didn't have the name Brontosaurus Records until about 2017, which is when I tried to really formally pull it together instead of releasing music as just self-released where the label would be. I said, I'm going to make my own label and I have 
three artists who have released music through the label and I do passion projects. It's not with so much an interest in me benefiting from the artists that I collaborate with financially, but more so giving them the tools or supporting them as they embark on their musical careers. And as someone who owns the masters to all of my music and sees the benefit of having that upper hand and not having a label own most of my content, which is my retirement or my 401k or however you want to view it, just kind of getting them to think of it that way and support themselves and look out for their future. It's nice if we can find ways to support ourselves in this industry where we are always struggling and looking for budgeting and all of the things that we need to to stay alive and keep the music and the art alive. So the elephant in the room question that begs to be asked is, why Brontosaurus Records? Yes, well, I am a vegetarian. I picked the Brontosaurus because the Brontosaurus was a vegetarian, as am I, and I am a dinosaur nerd. (laughs) And that's why I picked Brontosaurus Records, and perhaps an old soul, so... (laughs) Well, you've been a busy woman, and uh, you've done much uh, through your career. Uh, You now have a new release called Conjuring, and this is your 10th recording as a leader. I've been busy, and I, you know, I I have more for you, too. I have two records with Sullivan and another coming out uh, in the future. And I'm so happy to share Conjuring. In its own way, love prevails. Just a single miracle, hearts take sail. Open souls inspire deeply. Waves of passion cover leaks completely. In its own way, love's divine. Just what it came, often sublime Souls inspired swim the depths Endlessly drawn to the heart's consent And this is probably another reason why I'm best to have my own label and be independent because I have a lot of music in my heart and I just want to share it with everyone and, and hope that it it brings them whatever they're looking for. And um, yeah, I'm so excited to share Conjuring. <laughs> and this album is uh, one that has now hit the street uh, as of April, and it is out there for all to hear and experience. How would you describe Conjuring? Because Conjuring means to make something appear by magic or yeah. uh, to summon something <laughs> by an invocation or incantation. Is there that kind of a theme connected to that? Absolutely. And I think it's a consistent theme throughout all of my music, and I'll continue probably to carry elements of that. It's a big part of who I am, and it is very present in Conjuring, and we can tell from the titles, spells. A fire, then a fire. Flame 
It's also, in many ways, a sequel to La Bruja, which I released the prior year. I feel, as a writer, that I always like to leave a bit of room for mystery and interpretation. And that's something I enjoy from art. So that's important to my writing style. And then also the vibe. I like a good poinciana, and I like magic in the music as well so i think that kind of pulls in as well even the way i like to phrase and tell stories mm-hmm. pulls a lot of mystery into music and i enjoy mystery and surprise and exploring all of that as well so i enjoy working with the musicians who i feel are all magical in their own ways you know, it's funny, uh, Lauren, I was reading uh, some of your press material, and uh, these words kept popping up, like magic, mysticism, craft, potions, spells, haunting, enchanting. And then you grew up uh, in Marblehead, just very close to Salem, Massachusetts. So yes. is there something you're not telling us? Are you really a sorceress? <laughs> Who knows? We'll have to leave it to the listeners to answer that. But I, I certainly grew up in the land of, <laughs> of witches and, and powerful women who were persecuted for it. But Salem is a stone's throw and is in view from where I grew up and definitely played a role in my life and even going to camps where you go to the camp and it's almost a known fact that it's haunted so Mm -hmm. you just accept that as a youngster and embracing a lot of that culture so i i feel very comfortable in that land as you should because the recordings that you've done be it all 10 of them uh, are are absolutely magical and they're absolutely exquisite just in in listening to your body of work it's pretty amazing and it's very diverse there is not only attention to the standards in the american songbook but then there is also those things that you have created and then there are influences of uh, the latin world the caribbean world how would you describe yourself in terms of the music that you make i would describe myself as someone who continues to explore their cultural influences. And I am informed by that. And that is whether 
it's where I grew up in Marblehead, Massachusetts, or where my grandfather, my maternal grandfather was from Panama, or some of my family from the Caribbean, from Montserrat and Barbados, or my family hailing from different parts of the world. And of course, black American music and many of my family members in this country and learn more about the music and myself. If you look at uh, the discography that you have, almost every recording, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, has not only English lyrics, but Spanish lyrics, like in Conjuring, for example. Yeah, you do the song, It's Magic. You say the song begins You speak and I hear violins It's magic The stars desert the skies And rush to nestle in your eyes It's magic But then you also do that in Spanish Suspiras la canción Inicia con tanto La noche revela como el corazón vuela es magia. Los días Yes, that it was very important. Well, that's a, a wonderful question. I would say on my first record, it just felt natural. I wanted to do, I wanted to sing in a lot of different languages and sort of just try new things and sing songs that I love and do my best. And I love languages. I, I wish I had time to go to school to become a great polyglot. And it's very easy for me to understand what's going on because of Spanish, the things that are important to my identity or my story. I fell in love with that song, It's Magic, by watching a clip of Doris Day sing it. Hmm. And when she learns the song, it's sung in Spanish first. And she says, she remarks how beautiful that is. And then uh, they teach her the lyrics in English. And... uh, I thought that that was really, really important to explore. And I did contribute a very small amount of the lyrics because I had to write them down by watching a YouTube video over and over Mm. again to make sure that I could catch what they were saying and then fill in. I filled in, of course, I got licensed permission to do this from the higher ups. And it wasn't so much, but there were a few places. If you change any standards, you have to get permission, of course. And I I really enjoyed exploring the lyrics in Spanish. And I, I think that they're beautiful. It's just such a beautiful standard and everyone should enjoy it. Well, and at this point, I would say you have set the standard for Es Mahia. Uh, because <laughs> now people in the future will say, geez, I, I should probably try to sing this like uh, Lauren Henderson. 
Oh, that's so kind. I, I would be so honored, but I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> and what a great song it is, too, written by one of the greatest composers ever, uh, and that's Julie Stein. Yes, yeah, incredible. Absolutely. Of the 10 tracks that are on Conjuring, five of them are yours, and then the other five are dedicated to uh, the standards, if you will, like Harold Arlen and Julie Stein, as we mentioned, and then also uh, the great Billy Strayhorn and Duke Ellington. wife and I were listening to uh, Conjuring yesterday, and after uh, going through all 10 of the tracks, uh, and, and she comes from a show business family as well, uh, she made a very interesting observation about you, uh, especially as it related to the standards that you did, because she, she, I don't know how or why, but she knows the lyrics to almost every standard uh that is uh, in the american songbook and and she was singing singing along uh you know that old black magic or uh, it's <laughs> magic uh or i wish you love guess her assessment of it later on was that you pay attention with respect and homage to these standards. Well, I'm so honored that she's listening and enjoying and please send my love and appreciation. And yes, absolutely. I have tremendous respect for the standards and that's probably because listening to them and the greats share them with us has been, you know, the major source of my education and doing that with my parents who grew up with these standards and and their parents who grew up with them. So I always want to honor them and respect them and finding that balance of adding my own layer, but also showing respect to the beautiful art that was created and just adding a little bit of my spin to it. <laughs> Are you comfortable with the assessment or the label of being sultry? And I ask that because uh, when I was doing our podcast episode with uh, Leo Sidron, who you've collaborated with, uh, 
he he was uh, talking about the song that the two of you did on his uh, latest release, which is What's Trending. And right. he, he did the song Nobody Kisses Anymore. Right, right. And he said, I hate to say that, I hate to use the word sultry in describing her, but she's a romantic. Are you okay <laughs> with that? I am. I am. And, and Leo knows me well. I am. I I am. And I'm okay with the label. I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, we all, as artists, like to not be put in a box and expand everything. But it's, it's just uh, in my natural state and I guess my way of expressing myself and how I like singing and how I like to present it. I, I very much see that it, it comes off that way and I don't have a problem with it. I certainly didn't set out to be that, but I think it kind of describes me. I think there's a layer of that and my personality is one that whether I'm feeling shy or outgoing, if I'm if I'm if I have a close person in my life or if I'm sharing with someone, I always wanna be warm and open and inviting when it's safe to do so and i really am okay with that layer because i love the romance and the music and that's probably what i have pulled from it so i think i'm presenting presenting what what resonates with me in my way but the the sultry label does not bother me mm-hmm well, it, you can't help but listen because you cast that spell and you draw people in and you, you've conjure up this uh, listening experience. You're a storyteller. Uh, the way that you uh, emote, the way that you speak the lyrics in, in, uh, in vocal terms, uh, it, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, and I, I, as I said, there, there's that consistency in all of the recordings. In fact, one of my favorites uh, is one of your earlier ones. I think it was your second one, A La Madrugada. Yes, yeah. And exactly. I love that song, not only musically, but the way you did it, because I had this vision of here's Lauren Henderson with a rose clenched in her teeth, gliding yeah. across <laughs> across the floor doing this tango yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's so funny because my, my very good friend Armand, who's a professional dancer, was a professional dancer, we we would love dancing to this in his in his class and we would just have a lot of fun dancing and and acting out. And I think that song when I wrote that, I was thinking a lot about my love for flamenco and tango and all Latin dance. Que nunca 
I really, I'm really happy that you you picked up on some of that. I'm sure that people will enjoy Conjuring. I'm very proud of Conjuring, but I I think just my personality, even with performances, I've had strong performances, and I always say, oh, I want to do that or or better. So I will just continue to try to elevate and evolve and be an honest performer and storyteller because I think the sincerity is something that translates and and working on myself to connect with the listener so that what I'm expressing through the music is received on the other end. Lauren, uh, how can our listeners learn more about you and especially your beautiful, wonderful music? Thank you so much. Well, you can find me on all platforms. It's Lauren Henderson. And for social media, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. On Instagram and Facebook, you can find me at Lauren Henderson Music and across all platforms, including YouTube and many others. And on Twitter, I am here, Lauren, H-E-A-R, Lauren. Fantastic. Well, I, I have to say, Lauren, this has been a, a wonderful period of time to spend with you. I, I sincerely thank you for being our guest on All That's Jazz. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an enjoyable, enjoyable conversation, and I'm so grateful to you for all that you do for this community and the arts, and we're just grateful for your contributions. So thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of All That's Jazz with singer-songwriter Lauren Henderson. We'd like to thank Ben Sedrin for the use of Mr. P's Shuffle as our theme song. And visit us again next time for another interesting conversation on All That's Jazz. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating on the streaming service you use. All That's Jazz is available on every major streaming app, including Podbean, Apple Podcast and Spotify, as well as Facebook and online at allthatsjazz.net.